Welcome back to The Canadian Farmer, a podcast for pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, pharmacy students, and healthcare professionals in the North. This podcast reflects my personal opinions, views, and my interpretation of information, and was prepared in my personal capacity. This podcast does not represent any institution, corporation, association, or society, just me. Happy December. I hope that you are better prepared for Christmas than I am, and I'm constantly reminded by customers who ask me if I finish my shopping. Why do people ask that? It's like saying, did you make your bed this morning? Have you written your will? No, it's on my to-do list, but right now I need to help you find your husband who's wandered off with your collector's points card. Anyway, I may not be ready for Santa, but I am ready to prescribe for UTIs. This is a hot topic in Nova Scotia right now. As of December 1st, pharmacists have been authorized to prescribe for uncomplicated urinary tract infections. In other provinces, this is already well underway. Depending on where you live in Canada, you may be dispensing medications to treat UTI, or you could be prescribing them, and chances are, at some point, you might even be treated yourself. So let's get the down low on exactly how this common infection is diagnosed and treated. If you've never had one, consider yourself very fortunate or just very tolerant. Some people don't have symptoms to the extent that others do, and many people have urinary tract infections and don't even know it. I've been in both camps myself. When I was pregnant, I had the classic symptoms and was treated with antibiotics. And when I wasn't pregnant, I was told I had a UTI and I was none the wiser, and this time I wasn't offered an antibiotic. So why the difference? Well, let's begin with a proper definition. A urinary tract infection, otherwise known as acute cystitis, is an infection of the bladder and happens to be one of the most common reasons for women to take antibiotics. UTIs can be uncomplicated or complicated, and the difference comes down to risk factors that may lead to more serious complications, hence the name. Complicated UTIs are more likely in patients with certain risk factors, like abnormalities of the urinary tract. This would be obstructions or use of a catheter. People who are immunocompromised, have renal impairment, are diabetic, or who have been suffering with these symptoms for more than 14 days before they come to see you should be referred. And finally, being a man is a complication. Not in general, but in reference to having a UTI. All right, there are a few more items on the list that make a UTI complex. Gender we've mentioned, age is another one. Women under 16 should be referred, and also anyone who hasn't been previously diagnosed with acute cystitis. The patients we prescribe for will have had a UTI before and recognize the classic symptoms. Now, even though they should have had a previously diagnosed UTI, Be aware, this is very different than having recurrent UTIs. Recurrent is defined as two diagnosed UTIs in the last six months or three within the last year. A relapse is having the same strain cause another infection two to four weeks after the initial UTI. And a reinfection is when a UTI recurs with any strain more than four weeks after treatment. The bottom line is that patients with recurrent UTIs, whether a relapse, a reinfection, or recurrence, should be referred. I mentioned already that not all UTIs cause symptoms, as in my case, 
and this is classified as asymptomatic bacteria. And unless you're pregnant or immunocompromised, there's no need to treat. As a matter of fact, there isn't any reason to do a culture either, unless empiric treatment fails or during pregnancy. Nobody wants to pee in a jar. So unless there's a reason to believe it's not a run-of-the-mill, uncomplicated infection, there's no need. Okay, the bacteria most commonly to blame is E. coli. And in 80% of cases, it's this organism that's causing the trouble. For this reason, empiric treatment can be tried because in all likelihood, if the agent kills E. coli, it will clear the infection. And again, this is why it makes sense not to require your analysis for uncomplicated symptoms. Odds are, we know what's causing the problem anyway. The risk factors for developing a UTI include having sex, especially when using a spermicide, vaginal atrophy after menopause, using a catheter, incontinence, renal failure, spinal cord injury, being immunocompromised by disease or drug-induced, and having diabetes. With the exception of the spermicide user and the postmenopausal woman, everyone else is referred to a physician or an NP for care. Someone with uncomplicated UTI who is experiencing symptoms will likely complain about increased urinary frequency, urgency, and difficulty. Some may experience pain, notice an odor, or report mild bleeding. In young patients under 16 or in the elderly over 65, there may be cognitive changes like confusion or agitation. This is not common knowledge for most people. I can remember as a student visiting a long-term care facility and being told that one of the residents thought I was a pony because she had a bladder infection. I thought I was in the twilight zone. How is that even an explanation? Now I get it, but it was alarming to see firsthand. We should refer patients with cognitive symptoms as well. Something other than uncomplicated acute cystitis is likely present if the patient reports fever, nausea, pain that is not suprapubic, so in the back or the ribs, or the presence of vaginal discharge. This is not uncomplicated. Refer. All right, let's recap. In essence, we only treat straightforward, uncomplicated UTIs in women over 16 who are not pregnant. Watch for lack of usual symptoms or presence of unusual symptoms, like a lot of pain, more than slight bleeding, fever, vaginal discharge, nausea, vomiting, or relapse of symptoms. And watch for people with risk factors that predispose them to complicated UTIs, which we've already covered, like renal failure, catheters, and not having a vagina. Alright, before we talk about treatment, let's quickly cover prevention. First and foremost, never have sex. And if you do, avoid spermicides or condoms with spermicides, and empty your bladder afterwards. I've also read that you should stay hydrated. But it doesn't say if that's during sex or in general. So I guess if you're prone to UTIs, you should drink lots of water throughout the day. But you could keep a water bottle on your nightstand and excuse yourself for a water break if you want to be really precautious. Now let's get to treatment. Your patient meets all of the criteria. We've covered that and you're ready to prescribe. Now what? First of all, you can suggest acetaminophen or ibuprofen for pain and consult the patient regarding moving forward with an antibiotic. 
Uncomplicated UTIs usually resolve on their own. Antibiotics only quicken the process and lower the risk of kidney infection or polynephritis. So we don't need to proceed necessarily. We could monitor and reassess. Another thing to consider is the resistance patterns in your area. You really need to take time to do this. Maybe we can talk about antimicrobial stewardship in another podcast, but suffice it to say, it's extremely important. I'm going to continue with the most regularly prescribed first-line agents, but this varies geographically across the nation. First up, macrobid. Always reminds me of a bumblebee because it's black and yellow. The dose is 100 milligrams or one capsule twice a day for five days. Check renal function first. Macrobid is contraindicated if creatinine clearance is less than 30 mils per minute. Second line agents. Sulfatrim. Sulfamethoxal trimethoprim, 800 milligrams over 160 milligrams. Again, twice a day, this time for three days. Careful here. Watch for self-allergies. Renal function and the potential for hyperkalemia. So if they're on an ACE inhibitor or spironolactone. If the patient is over 65, it's a good idea to make sure their kidneys and electrolytes are in good shape. For example, if their serum potassium is already elevated, we don't want to potentiate the risk for arrhythmia. Phosphomycin is next. This is a single three-dose, pardon me, three-gram dose dissolved in a half a cup of cold water. It's just once a day for one day. Very easy. Special consideration here, though, is the minimum age for treatment is 18 years old. Then we have some less favorable options. Cephalexin 500 four times a day for five days and amoxiclab 875 over 125 twice a day for five days. Okay, now here is some great news. Patients can expect a reduction in dysuria within even a few hours of beginning effective treatment, so it's easy to see if you're on the right track. In terms of monitoring, we're going to follow up in three days. We'll assess effectiveness, so are they seeing the results that we expect, and we want all symptoms to be improved by the 72-hour benchmark. Remind them during this follow-up to finish the full course of therapy, especially if they're taking nitrofurantoin or macrobid, and if there's no improvement or little improvement after 72 hours, tell them to see their doctor. Also, you want to ask about side effects. Remember, when we give antibiotics, there's always the potential for yeast infections. So monitor for that and recommend treatment for vaginal or oral symptoms. Also, with antibiotics, persistent diarrhea can be a problem. With trimethoprim especially, sulfamethoxal, we want to monitor for rash. So it's a good idea to ask for those in particular and refer again to the doctor if if either of those appear. All right, there you go. Not too bad, right? Just remember, if it stings when you pee, prescribe the bumblebee. Hmm? I made that up myself and it's my Christmas present to you. Looking forward to learning lots together in the new year. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.